This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. It's good to be with you this morning. I feel blessed to be up here to have the opportunity to share this message. I wasn't sure if my coming was bringing the snow because this would have been the third time when I'm scheduled to preach and the weather comes and, and cancels our service. So, uh, but it's good to be here. I hope my message today on, the, on resilience, as it's written on the board behind me, um, provides you the hope that uh, it has throughout God's word for each of us. So that's my hope this morning. Well, I want to start with telling you that uh, Friday night is often pizza movie night at the Goodlands house. And it's difficult to find a good movie these days, a good family movie, but Janice picked one out for us this past Friday. We watched a movie from 1974 filmed in Wyoming, capturing the story of a family's journey in the 1840s, traveling from Missouri to Oregon. Now, this family was made up of a husband, Henry, his wife, Naomi, and their seven children. 14-year-old was the oldest of them, and the youngest was born on the trail to Oregon. They were a part of a wagon train headed west, like many did at that time, in search of prosperity and a new start. As you can imagine, the journey was treacherous with all kinds of challenges to deal with, including frequent bouts with sickness, to say the least. At one point in their journey, they run into American Indians, and Henry the father is stabbed with a knife and killed. The oldest boy, John, is appointed the role as man of the family by his mother. Naomi made it clear to John that he was in charge and would need to do all he needed to get his family to their destination and quickly as winter was approaching. He was told to especially care for his new little sister, Henrietta. John hesitantly assumes this overwhelming responsibility. It becomes clear that Naomi has the direct conversation with John, her oldest son, as in her efforts to care for the many in the wagon train who were sick, she herself contracts the illness, pneumonia, and her chance of survival was slim. Unfortunately, she was right and soon passes, leaving the children in the middle of the wilderness by themselves, parentless. John does his best to keep the children together as a family, including the baby, as the recommendations from the other wagon train members were to split them up among the existing families there and turn back due to the sickness they've experienced in the pending winter. John, fearing they'll be split up, and promised his mother that they would not and he would keep the family together, gathers his siblings one early morning and sets out on his own with only a small portion of their belongings. Making it to Oregon as a 14-year-old with six younger siblings in tow on their own through the Blue Mountains 
with little food, an often extremely dangerous country with winter approaching, seemed impossible at best, especially as the new baby Henrietta was not taking their cow's milk and beginning to show signs of illness herself. But John was a very stubborn boy. One man said, stubborn as a mule. His mind was fixed on the vision of their destination. For the love of his parents and his commitment to his mother, who he believed was watching them from heaven, John pressed westward, taking his siblings deep into the harshest of conditions. Now, I'll come back to that story, but I wanted to share it to specifically highlight a biblical characteristic by this 14-year-old boy. One that came from deep within, and that characteristic is resilience. And resilience is a biblical trait that I want to spend some time unpacking for us this morning. The definition of resilience has a few variations, and it depends on what you're referring to. And here's some examples. If you're engineering, you may refer to it as the, capable, the, bo- the, the capability of a body to recover its size and its shape after deformation. In psychology, the ability to bounce back from adversity or cope with a crisis is the definition of resilience. In leadership, resilience can be described as the ability to bounce back after adversity and move forward stronger than before. If you were to talk with someone who manages large computer systems, say someone at ArcBest, they may describe network resilience in multiple ways, such as in terms of flexibility, which would be the ability to be modified according to external changes in behavior, or adaptability, that would be the property to adjust and fit new changes. Robustness would be the quality to withstand or overcome adverse conditions. Or system redundancy, which would be a feature of systems to have alternate pathways or options. There's interoperability, there's longevity, there are other definitions or other components of resilience when you talk about systems. These are all aspects of resiliency. As an engineer myself by education, honestly, When I dig into those system resiliency terms and definitions, I can't help but think about how God's designed the local church body to operate as it's spelled out in 1 Corinthians 12, 20 through 21. Like the eye and the hand, the body having many unique parts and functions, providing the flexibility, the adaptability, the redundancy, and the robustness that it has. That's our church body. We've seen it at work many times. Well, the definition I want to focus on this morning is the capacity to withstand or recover from difficulties or adversity and the ability to spring back into shape, bend, but not break. In the last couple weeks, I've had the opportunity to do a four-day devotional with Chris and another mutual friend. I'd like to share some of the elements of that les- those lessons as they were really the inspiration for my message today on resilience. Now, there are many, many examples throughout the Bible on resilient men and women. And I'm just going to give you a few. But I don't think it's a coincidence 
that there are many recorded in the Bible. Let's start with Jacob's wrestle, found in Genesis 32. It's a story where Jacob wrestles to the break of day with a man that is God, according to Genesis 32:28. This is a pivotal moment in Jacob's life. Until this point, Jacob has been a deceiver, a supplanter, stealing the birthright and the blessing of his older brother Esau and then running away. Jacob is in a real crisis for his life at this point as Esau is approaching with 400 men to meet him. Jacob fears the worst. He splits up his family and all his belongings in two so that all would not perish is his thinking. And he prepares a gift for Esau and finally tells his family to cross the fort at Jabbok while he would be left alone. Jacob is racked with worry and in what you could call a crucible of crisis. He's extremely stressed and wants to be by himself. You know, as a note, I too find myself sometimes in stressful situations where I want to be alone. I've not faced anything like Jacob was about to face, but still sometimes I like to be alone to process things and pray. And perhaps you can get that way too sometimes under stress. Well, at this point in the night, we are told in Genesis 32, 24, that Jacob wrestles with a man until daybreak. And as a side note, if you ever wrestled with someone, even for five minutes, wrestling is absolutely exhausting. Jacob wrestled all night long. And for hours, Jacob is striving with this man. And when this man has not prevailed against Jacob, he touches the socket of Jacob's thigh and it becomes dislocated. But Jacob would still not let go. Although dawn is breaking and he would not let him go until Jacob blessed him. And so he said, what is your name? Found in Genesis 32, 27. And he said, Jacob. In verse 20, he says, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Similar to the dramatic changing of the name of Jacob to Israel, he comes out a different man. God brought him to a place of transformation. Jacob's resilience placed him in a long struggle. God tore down Jacob physically, dislocating his hip, but built him up by changing his identity. Israel's not without scars from his wrestling. He was then physically weaker likely permanently disabled to some extent after this altercation. But spiritually, and more importantly, God built him up. Resiliency was a necessary characteristic of Jacob. If we quit early in a God-ordained struggle, as seen with Jacob's prolonged struggle, we need resilience to experience the significant purpose in it. Let us not quit early. Let us prevail. If we tap out, we miss out on the deeper work and the benefit of the transformation the Lord desires to do in us. 
We say Jacob, a heel catcher, instead of becoming Israel, God prevails. By being resilient and striving, we too can be transformed. We can become all that the Lord desires us to be. I am confident that each of us has had experiences of striving, and if you haven't, you will. When striving to be resilient, I can't help but think of Paul's writing to the Philippians 3.14. In 3.14, he said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, let us now remove to another well-known biblical character, Job. Can't help but think of Job when you think of striving, when you think of resilience. Well, the whole story is found in the book of Job, but we are going to be, but we are reminded of the importance of Job's resilience in James 5.11, where James records, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. See, perseverance or endurance, resilience is clearly represented here. The Greek word hypomone, hypo meaning to bear, and mone meaning underweight, which is like a hydraulic press. Different things handle pressure differently. It's got to be something strong enough and able to handle the force of the press is a picture of hypermone. Job was subjected to suffering that few can even imagine. His story is children, his livelihood is health, and the crushing pressure of their loss bore down on him. He wasn't crushed. He held his form under it all. His resilience was epic even in biblical standards. We are drawn to and desire the, the resilience of Job for ourselves. As we know, life gets very heavy and the pressures of life can weigh us down. We know it is inevitable, and we often can't change it. But we can strive to be made of the same material as Job in order to handle that pressure. We desire that characteristic. We want to mirror the resilience of Job. And to do that, let's look briefly at Job's life. It tells us in Job 1, 1 through 5, he says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. There was born to him seven sons and three daughters, and he possessed a lot, 7,000 sheep. It says camels, oaks, yock, uh, oxen. He was the greatest man of all the people of the East. It says his four sons used to go and hold a feast in the house and each one on his day and they would send and invite their sisters to eat with them. And the days of the feast had run their course. Job would send and consecrate them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did continually. See, before the pressure was applied to Job's life, Job prioritized the things of God. 
Regardless of his standing in the world, he recognized his place before the Almighty Lord. We, consider, we may consider Job a Matthew 6.33 man, which says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. A man such as this, as he sought God's kingdom and his righteousness in every way before the pressure came, and it made all the difference after it. Fortunately, this resilience displayed by Job is equally available to us because its source, Almighty God, is available to us. Resilience comes from an abiding relationship with God who sacrificed himself for us, making this connection possible. In keeping this relationship our greatest priority in our life, we are able to bear under whatever pressures we encounter in life, not according to our own strength, but according to his strength in us. As a summary, in the Old Testament, Job demonstrated great resilience, and God honored him for it. After losing everything, Job was in great agony of soul and body, yet he refused to curse the Lord and give up. It says, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing, Job 1.22. And later, when suffering intensified, which is hard to imagine, Job's wife counseled him and said, curse God and die, Job 2.9. But Job would not even consider such a thing. Despite his suffering, Job knew that God was in control, and that knowledge helped him maintain endurance, hypomone, resilience, instead of giving in to defeat. And his faith resulted in resiliency. The last Bible character I want to talk to you about this morning is Joseph. Now let us look at one example which is one of Jacob's 12 sons. The setting is Egypt, and I absolutely love this scene found in Genesis 45, 4 through 8. So Joseph said to his brothers, and you can picture the scene, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and yet there are five more years where there will be no harvest or plowing. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you that sent me here, but God. Here in this passage, we see the, we see the after the fact moment. The after the fact moment. Captured in the scripture so clearly. Such an absolute pivotal moment for their survival of Israel. Do you think Joseph always felt that way? Probably not. He was sold out of his brothers into slavery, wrongly accused and imprisoned later, and then forgotten. 
Do you think it's possible that he spent many hours saying to himself, God, why is this happening to me? What am I doing here? Like David's expression of raw, painful emotions as recorded in Psalms, Joseph must have surely felt a roller coaster of painful emotions and struggles during those many years. Moments he felt like giving up or giving in. And yet, regardless of his emotions, he continued living faithfully. How was this possible? Because although Joseph was not seen, was not, may have not seen the big picture that God was orchestrating, Joseph trusted God and rested in his promises and surrendered himself to the will and purposes of God. Joseph's faith was so deep, his relationship to the Lord was so close that he trusted fully in the Lord. This should serve as an example for us. We don't have to know what God is doing in the big picture, but we do have to trust him and live faithfully. Like Joseph, we too are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, as Hebrew 12 1 and 2 tells us. The testimonies of believers throughout history and those around us right now, which allows us to run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. There are many more, as I said, biblical characters that had heavy, heavy, challenges in their lives and we're so fortunate to look back and read those from beginning to end and see their purpose esther and paul you know is it not a coincidence that we don't read about characters that just seemed everything flowed nicely right is that what we want written about us someday well you know he was born middle-class family he got married he had children he had a good job he provided for his children and he children had children he passed away is that our lives no i don't think that's our purpose that's why god gives us these examples Let me conclude this message about resiliency today by sharing the rest of the story of those seven children traveling west. You see, the film called Seven Alone is actually a true story of the Sager family traveling west on the Oregon Trail. It was difficult watching those children crossing the harshest freezing winter conditions with snow blowing, little to no food, Scraps of clothing that are nothing compared to today's engineered fabrics, right? Which we appreciate this morning, don't we? As well as watching the children's animals fall over dead in the snow in this film. They just stood there and watched them fall over in the snow and die. Let me tell you, I sat next to Janice, and it was painful watching this John Sager pushed his siblings hard to keep moving when all they wanted to do was fall down in the snow and fall asleep. And you know that 
You know what? This movie Friday evening at our home, I had a glimpse of the view that God has of us today. See, I already knew the end of this story. It's a true story. That made all the difference in making it bearable to watch for me. I knew that they were all going to make it alive to their destination. Even little Henrietta. Similarly, Jacob, Job, and Joseph didn't know exactly how their story was going to end. But God did. The recordings of their experiences were given to us by God himself through his inspired word for a very important purpose. These men had immense spiritual resilience. As a result of their deep faith in God and his purpose for them. A purpose clearly beyond any one of them individually. As God was there for these men, God is there for each of us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. God knew the entire story of each of these heroes. And what is comforting, God knows our entire life story as well. He wants each of us to lean not on our very limited understanding, but upon him and him alone. Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. And like these men, our lives, as members of this church body, it's not just about us alone. The nose doesn't say to the eye, you don't need me. As a member of the body, we are each unique and a critical part of something bigger. God made us each wonderfully. Like Jacob wrestling with God, like Joseph in his cell, or like Job scraping his boils in sackcloth and ashes, let us strive to be resilient through deepening our faith in God. And importantly, helping our brothers and sisters, our children, deepen their faith as well. May all the challenges we face bring us closer to him and closer to each other. May we bring God glory in all these types of situations. This is a difficult verse, but James tells us in chapter 1, 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. In Greek, hippomone, resilience. And let us endure. And have its full effect that you may perfect and complete, may be, uh, may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Again, Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. God wants to draw us to himself. 
Therefore, he sent his only begotten son to die for us so that we could be covered totally, white as snow, in his eyes. And it's his eyes that is what matters. If you have not yet decided to die to your old self, your old ways, would you consider doing that today? As Paul tells us in Romans 6, we are buried with Christ through baptism so that like Christ, who was buried and resurrected, we too can die to our old self, be buried with Christ, and then raised to a new life with him. A new life, a new creature, where we can live for his glory, not our own, having all our sins washed away, as it tells us in Acts twenty-two sixteen. That's a wonderful thing, an amazing blessing. You know, we're going to sing an invitation song. Logan's going to lead us. If you're wrestling with God about these things, I would encourage you, if you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters here, come forward as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.